Investors ditched your short-term rentals for mid-term rentals. And will the multifamily sector continue its historic crash this year, or is it set to rebound? You're listening to the Bigger Pockets Daily, where we cover the days of biggest stories in economics and real estate. I'm your host, Matt Meir, managing editor of the Bigger Pockets blog. And today we have a couple of really good stories to talk about. So Short-term rentals and Airbnb in particular has had an interesting few years. Obviously, the pandemic hit and listings dropped off a cliff, occupancy dropped off a cliff for a good quarter, right? But right after that, Airbnb boomed. It was crazy. Everyone was going through Airbnb. People were making tons of money. Investors across the country were like, yep, this is it. We're making tons of money. We're moving away from long-term rentals. We're going all in on short-term rentals. And then 2022 came, and in around late 2022 into 2023, buzz started happening over on X called Airbnb Bust or hashtag Airbnb Bust. Now, this was a trend that started from a Twitter account by the name of Amy Dixon. Basically, a lot of investors started complaining about lower occupancy rates due to increased competition on Airbnb and flattening demand. There were millions of new users. At the same time, a lot of investors flocked to Airbnb. And basically, everyone was like, I can't rent out my house anymore because there's way too many people also competing with me. So with all these investors freaking out over their margins tightening, interest rates going up, the availability of properties declining because of inventory constraints, and then on top of that, different markets starting to outlaw, outright ban Airbnbs because of housing shortages in those markets. Obviously, housing prices exploded over those same years. So you can imagine some markets like New York, Asheville, North Carolina, a particularly big vacation market were like, we can't do this. We need more houses for actual renters, actual homeowners. We can't do the short-term rental thing anymore. And then on top of all of it, The CEO of Airbnb, Brian Chesky, came out last year on Bloomberg and said Airbnb was, quote, fundamentally broken. Now, I do want to put the caveat out here that he was talking about Airbnb as a platform software. So the actual booking experience, the actual use of Airbnb, looking for listings, listing your house on Airbnb. That's what he was referring to. However, that's a big boo-boo for a CEO to come out and say that his platform is fundamentally broken because even if he's talking about the software and not the actual act of doing business on Airbnb, it doesn't help to have those headlines. There were issues with Airbnb fees that he also brought up in that article. Basically, Airbnb would charge higher fees and therefore investors were or hosts, should I say, were inflating cleaning fee prices to make up for those Airbnb fees, which pissed off a bunch of guests. So then on top of all of that, there was a data set that floated around on X by all the rooms, which is another data provider for that type of stuff, that basically showed some of the top Airbnb vacation markets had lost millions of dollars in revenue. And we're talking about occupancy rates in particular. They were down year over year, upwards of 40%. Markets like Asheville, Seaverville, Tennessee, those places were doing terrible, right? Now, that turned out to be false, the data in that data set, but it all contributed to this growing idea 
that Airbnb and short-term rentals were not the best way to make money in the real estate investing world. What is the actual reality? Occupancy is down about 3% from 2022. Like that's the actual number. And the reason why is because profit margins are being stretched due to competition. It's all based on competition. There are more listings on Airbnb than ever before. And that is also correlating with flattening demand. Now, Airbnb is gaining users, but the demand is flattening. And so when you have a continued influx of supply and flattening demand, obviously things are going to get stretched. However, it's not nearly as bad as it could have been. 3% down from 2022 is not bad. I'll also note that Airbnb as a company continues to grow in revenue. They did about $3.4 billion in 2022. So let that be known. They're also growing in revenue. Whether that's inflation, who knows, but that's what the numbers are. So we talked about the issues with short-term rentals, but we also want to know why are people moving into medium-term rentals? But we'll get right into that after the break. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. Meet Rent App, the seamless, secure, free way to collect rent. Built by a team of fintech veterans behind Square and Cash App, Rent App uses ACH bank transfers to deposit funds directly into your account. You don't even need to download anything. Rent App setup is straightforward for renters, and there are no apps for landlords to download. Both get peace of mind with a digital transaction history. That means no more lost checks, managing a dozen different payment apps, or even wondering whether payment was sent. Landlords say Rent App is the most convenient way to collect rent, and we think you'll agree. Rent App, the free and easy way to collect rent. Learn more at rent.app/landlord. That's rent.app/landlord. Managing your finances used to be a pain. It was either useless apps or overcomplicated spreadsheets. Ugh. But now, with Monarch Money, managing your money is easier than ever. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com bigger. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to set up, customize, and use. You can even collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor at no extra cost to get a joint view of all your finances. Customize your dashboard, notifications, and budgets with the tap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show right here will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com bigger. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash bigger for your extended 30-day free trial. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? 
I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back. So we talked about the issues with short-term rentals. Let's talk about medium-term rentals. So why does this all matter? I started off by saying investors are ditching Airbnb and short-term rentals for mid-term rentals. Now, if you don't know what mid-term rentals are, also known as medium-term rentals, these are rental properties that are short-term in nature compared to a long-term rental, but the leases are anywhere from 30 days to six months. That's generally what we would consider a medium-term rental. Why are investors turning to them? Uh, it It comes down to steadier income streams. If you lock in a lease for six months, that's a lot more predictable than if you have a lease that's two days, which is what you would have with Airbnb. The right markets will provide steady demand, unlike cyclical vacation markets. And we'll get a little bit more into this later on when we talk about the cons to all this. But then you also have turnover that's cheaper, right? So if you have an Airbnb, you're cleaning that property every week, multiple times. With a medium-term rental, you're not touching it for maybe up to six months. There's also wear and tear that's a little bit less of an impact because you're not having so many different variations of guests coming through the property. And then there's also less regulations. It's a lot more predictable on what a market's going to do if you go with a medium-term rental. And also there's genuine need for some medium-term rentals based on some industries, such as healthcare. But for the most part, you're not going to be regulated. Okay, now there are cons with medium-term rentals. So like I was saying earlier, it's heavily market-dependent. What I mean by that is if you pick a market like Asheville, North Carolina. I used to live in Asheville, great city. A lot of it's based on the number of jobs available in that city and how robust those industries are. So in a market like Asheville, where there's only 100,000 people, there is a large hospital, but with enough traveling nurses, and by the way, Asheville's pretty high demand because of how beautiful it is, the odds are that there's already going to be too much competition for a medium-term rental, and there's not going to be enough travel nurses to go around to fill those spaces. If you go to bigger markets, think Cleveland, Ohio, think Cincinnati, Ohio, one, the economy is big enough to support a pretty decent medium-term rental sector. There's plenty of people coming in and out of it for traveling purposes, There's also a business situation there where it's beyond just healthcare. There's financial services, tech services, et cetera. It's a much easier place to use and operate a medium-term rental. You can't just put a medium-term rental anywhere. Another issue, there are longer vacancy periods. Generally, it's a lot harder to find someone who wants to rent a medium-term rental, which takes us into our third issue, is that marketing is tougher. Airbnb is a very easy platform to market on. All of your listings are listed on there. There's a search algorithm. For the most part though, Airbnb does the heavy lifting. You put your description in, it does the heavy lifting. Medium-term rentals, there's not one significant platform like Airbnb or Verbo that serves that marketplace. Unless you have a smart marketing strategy or you're using one of the smaller platforms that people use, which are not as well known, marketing on there is gonna be really tough. And then just to close up the points with medium-term rentals, 
I do want to offer a little bit of a solution to finding what market works. So there's a website called Furnished Finder, and you can actually use that to find stats on different markets. It will tell you how many requests there are for housing in a certain market. It will give you pretty in-depth information, occupancy rates, the price points, et cetera. But it's just a quick tip on actually getting started with medium-term rentals. So on to our next story. Uh, let's talk about the multifamily market. So I'll just lead off with multifamily is a very complicated sector of real estate. It is not clear cut like single family housing is. It technically falls under the commercial real estate umbrella. And that also includes office. It includes apartments, which is multifamily. And so the headline from here is that commercial real estate since peak has lost $2.7 trillion worth in value. Multifamily specifically makes up about $1.1 to $1.2 trillion of that, which is a very significant number. It's about 40% of the entire valuation here. So because of all the complications of multifamily, I'm going to do my absolute best to make this as clear as possible. It's honestly become one of the tougher assets to convince anyone to invest right now. So first of all, there are a lot of reasons for why someone would buy real estate. Multifamily, the chief reason really is cash flow because of the amplification of the value of the property. Multifamily properties are usually worth more than a single family residence. I feel like that is perfectly reasonable and makes sense. So you would expect higher cash flow. However, a big part of the equation with multifamily cash flow is cap rates. I'm not going to get too deep into cap rates, but basically it's used as a valuation tool. And it's averaged around 5% over the last year. It essentially means that if you were to buy a $1 million property, let's say all in cash, you would expect to earn $50,000 from it annually. So 5%. Why does that matter? Well, it's because interest rates right now are currently higher than cap rates, which suggests that we're in a negative leverage environment which suggests that if you were to buy multifamily real estate right now, you would be losing money, especially in an environment where treasury bills are yielding 5%, private lending would offer you more than 5%, the stock market is returning more than 5%. There's so many safer assets that require less management and less of your time in general that could yield the same or better returns than multifamily property, why would you ever buy multifamily in that case, right? On top of that, multifamily construction has been booming. So there are currently 1.2 million units of multifamily properties under construction as of right now, 500,000 of which are set to come online this year. That will place serious pressure on rent prices, especially in popular pandemic markets in Florida, in North Carolina, in Texas. So just for example, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's a super hot market. It's often rated one, two, or three in the top highest rent growth markets in the country. And everywhere I go, there's a new apartment complex being built. They are literally everywhere. And so you take that and you look at places like Denver. They're building all over the place in Denver. They're building everywhere in Texas. Those units are going to come online and conventional wisdom would suggest that more supply means lower prices because the demand isn't going to change from now until the end of the year. On top of that, it is 
really up in the air on what the Fed's actually going to do this year because recent CPI data, which is the consumer price index, came out saying inflation is still increasing. Not much. It was 0.3%. That's negligible. However, it's not going down and we're still in that 3% area. So long as that happens, the Fed is not going to cut interest rates. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Of course, that's my opinion, but like they're not going to do it if inflation does not at least drop below 2.5%. So out of all of that, what you need to know is that if you are looking for long-term growth and willing to forego cash flow, even if you're looking for long-term appreciation, it is extraordinarily hard to predict what's going to happen with multifamily right now. However, there are some silver linings in all of this information. So for one, basic investing principles would say that when an asset is undervalued, you buy it because it's undervalued. It will make more money long-term, even though it's devalued right now. There is an argument to be made that that's what's happening with multifamily values right now, that they are undervalued because of all the factors I just went over. But if you can eat the upfront costs of ownership, if you can take a loss for the first few years of the property and then refinance down the line when interest rates do inevitably drop, you can earn a better return because you're getting it at a cheaper deal. But what does that require? Of course, you need to have capital. You need to know what you're doing and you need to be able to eat those losses. And like I said, with supply coming online, rent prices will have serious pressure. However, Multifamily properties are divided into different classes. There's class A, B, C. Class A is what you would call luxury apartments. And whether you think they're luxurious or not, that's what, that's what they're called. A lot of the multifamily real estate coming online are class A properties. Most of the existing inventory for multifamily properties are class B and C, which are cheaper, they're just not as highly valued. And so that means that when the new inventory comes online, it really might only impact class A properties. Now, I can't guarantee that. However, I will say there is a separation there and that's to be noted. In fact, some data providers like Yardy Matrix, they expect rent to increase by 1.5% this year. So take that as you will. I'll also note that there are several tax advantages from multifamily, one of which is that you can report losses. So like I said, if you can eat those upfront costs in the first few years of ownership, you can deduct a lot of that from your taxes and write off a ton of it. And that will reduce your tax bill like crazy, even for W-2 employees. So that's a great way to justify the asset. You can't do that with some of those other 5% returns on other assets. And then on top of all of it, inflation is coming down. That means the expenses associated with the property will be reduced over time. They have been reduced compared to like two years ago. But even though the CPI data showed that it was up a little bit, it, it, the general trend has shown us coming down or at least flattening. So you shouldn't worry too much about growing costs. And then also interest rates, like I said, like I'm particularly bearish on them coming down. I don't think it's going to be as soon as we think. However, they will come down. And if we're thinking about this from a long-term game, you're going to eat the cost for the first few years, you can refinance down the line and significantly reduce your actual cost of ownership. So ultimately, 
The multifamily crash is happening. No one is saying that it's a rosy picture. I'm not saying it's a rosy picture. It's pretty bleak. There's a lot of supply coming online that will reduce valuations or at least continue to reduce valuations. There's just nothing right now that says they're going to go up. However, if you're smart about market selection, you can get a decent deal in multifamily for an undervalued property. You just have to be really, really smart about it. So that's our show today. We talked about short-term rentals and the rise of medium-term rentals. We talked about multifamily properties and if the valuations declining are actually the worst thing in the world or if there's a deal to be made in there. Like I said, this is the Bigger Pockets Daily Show where we cover everything you need to know to become a better real estate investor. I'm Matt. I'll be here two times a month, so check back regularly for my takes on the news that matters to investors. You can also find all of these stories on the Bigger Pockets blog. So go to biggerpockets.com slash blog. That is biggerpockets.com slash blog. And I will see you on the next one.